Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 5-2-2016. Hi Alex, what's new and exciting this week? It's been a while. It has. <laughs> it has. It's been two weeks. Last week uh, I didn't have anybody who could produce a decent quality show. I was on another show on Monday night and it sounded like I was in a wind tunnel. So you definitely didn't want me bringing you on Monday night. We would have both sounded like we were going to be swept away in a hurricane. So nice. at least at least the sound quality is better tonight. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, me too. So okay. I I don't know where we left off. I, I guess I, I I I don't know what uh, I haven't had a chance to check and see. I, we, we didn't put anything out last week, right? Right. Okay. Um. So I'm, I'm kind of reaching into the wayback machine here. Um. <laughs> I don't know if we've talked at all really about the Cole Bishop Amendment. Not. Do you remember that? Yeah, all? I do remember that. I know, I think I discussed it a little the week I did the three minute, three and a half minute update. <laughs> but I didn't really go into detail. Well, so. it's, yeah, it certainly deserves a little bit more uh, detail and um, maybe a little bit of an update in terms of next steps. Um, so, for those that don't know, the Cole Bishop Amendment was uh, language that was added to an agriculture agriculture appropriations bill, um, which will be part of the overall kind of U.S. budget bill, um, much like what we saw last year, uh, where you know this thing kind of came down to the wire in late December. Um, mm -hmm. There was actually lots of people. Um, lots of media types and policy wonks kind of hanging out on Twitter at two o'clock in the morning, waiting to get their hands on a copy of the final budget bill to right. see, um, you know, what riders made it in and, and so on. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we actually knew that, that you know, e-cigarettes were not going to be a part of it. Um, but it was still, it was actually kind of fun to sit there. And it's like waiting for Santa Claus to, you know, land on your roof it was I don't know if it'll be the same feeling this year but uh, I thought that was interesting um, so anyway th this will likely drag out until the end of the year um, and uh, yeah this however is remarkably different language than what we saw last year um, there are more there's more bits and pieces to it and um, this is not simply a matter of changing the predicate date. Uh, so we're monitoring this uh, as it goes through the process. And there's a couple of things to point out. Um, number one, this is language that's going in a budget bill. That means we'll be right back here next year negotiating similar language to go into the budget bill. Um, this does not make a permanent change to the, uh, the statute. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, this is sort of, uh, I like to think of this as sort of getting our foot in the door, um, and, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, if, if this language stays in, uh, it means that we've managed to win some hearts and minds in, in Congress. Um, so that, that is sort of, sort of the point to this. Um, and without going too deeply into the, the, you know, the nitty gritty of the language, um, 
there, it, it should be clear to some people that concessions were made. Um, concessions were made in order to make this a bipartisan bill right. that, um, that Democrats and Republicans could both support. Um, but as far as Kasai is concerned, um, you know, we, I'll just leave it at we're, we're monitoring the situation. We're, I, I, we're, I was asked about this more than once, like in the past week or so. And all I've told people is, is you can get a copy of this and, and read it for yourself. It's, it's not yeah. really that hard to read. And, um, I think there's some, some language in there that's a little, um, concerning. But yeah. I, and yeah, go ahead. And, and again, you know, nothing about this is set in stone. Um, this is, this, this type of maneuver does not actually change the statute. This is simply something, you know, if you read the language, it's, you know, along the lines of it, well, I mean, it literally is no funds will be made, made available for uh, just to paraphrase, you know, the FDA to uh, enforce the 2007 uh, predicate date. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that's that. This yeah. is still negotiable uh, next year. Mm -hmm. uh, there is still hopefully a vehicle for kind of a clean, uh, you know, eventually I think our, you know, goal here is uh, that we, we get some sort of standalone legislation that just officially changes the, the statute, mm -hmm. changes the predicate date. Yes. That would be ideal. Um, but we don't live in a vacuum and I don't ride a unicorn to work. So, uh, <laughs> we have to be somewhat realistic about the process. <clears throat> um, so that's that. Um, I, I will say, you know, there, there is, uh, there are, there's chatter out there saying that HR 2058 is, is no longer a viable option. Um, and I will return to my earlier statement that I made just a matter of seconds ago saying that. Um, ideally, at some point, we want some standalone legislation to change the statute. So mm -hmm. something like HR 2058 is is our goal. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how much I'm actually speaking on behalf of CASA for this, but personally, I'm not willing to accept that HR 2058 or something like it is dead in the water. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of things that we accomplish by uh, continuing to urge people to write their congressmen and, and urge them to co-sponsor H.R. 2058, mm -hmm. namely keeping the conversation alive and um, continuing to put this issue in front of lawmakers um, so they, they realize that, that we're, you know, we're very passionate about this and we really do want some substantive changes to the statute. Okay. Um, so uh, that's that, and uh, I, I think, well, that's not that, that. Uh, the, uh, the next steps for this bill um, are sort of, I, I think we're already through with the markup period. I could be wrong about that. Um, that's basically just some uh, minor changes to the language, nothing substantive. It probably won't change much from how it's written now. Um, and then, uh, the real goal here is going to be to keep it in the budget bill. Uh, there will be opportunities coming up, I believe, in June 
where um, uh, you know the, there's an opportunity for that language to be removed. So um, there's still more, more work to be done, and um, you know at least for now, one of our goals for this year is to keep that language in uh, to some extent, um, despite whatever issues we might have with the legislation. Um, it does. Uh, advocate for a change in the predicate date, and uh, that's something that we support. So um, that's the straight dope on the Cole Bishop Amendment. Okay. <clears throat> uh, the other bit of uh, news is if you live in Indiana's 9th Congressional District, you're looking at a pretty important race. Um, Indiana's Attorney General is running for that seat. Uh, Greg Zeller, um, he is kind of outspoken anti-vaping, um, and, uh, I think legally I'm sort of bound to just tell you that much. Um, there are six or seven candidates in the field and, uh, at least, well, at least two of them have, uh, either made public statements against vapor products or have a voting record against the vaping industry in Indiana. Um, recently, over the weekend, the mm -hmm. kind of candidate questionnaire that we sent out, um, uh, a couple people heard back from Trey Hollingsworth III, right. um, and he basically sent a message back to them and we were able to uh, update our uh, uh, voter guide with his statement um, that was actually uh, somewhat supportive of the vapor industry and, and access to vapor products. So um, if you live in Indiana's 9th District, please check out our, our blog. We have the uh, um, the voter guide posted on our blog under Indiana. If you just go to the calls to action by state, you can click on Indiana and it should be at the top of the list there. Uh, we'll give you a rundown of, you know, candidate positions. Um, but again, and this is something that people should be, this is sort of applicable to the rest of the country. Um, we are working on a project to get more, to get a better understanding of candidates positions on this issue. Um, but as it stands now, we just really don't have a whole lot of data. Um, and at the state level, um, you know, you have several states who have seen legislation that would impact vapor products. Um, and we like to think that we can kind of gauge someone's position based on their vote on a particular bill. Right. Uh, but this doesn't really tell the whole story they may have had to vote a certain way for political reasons, uh, but you know, at at the core, you know, they really believe that that there's a different way to regulate these products, or there's something more appropriate. Um, so, it's just going on voting record alone is not really the best way to determine someone's stance on these products. Um, so, uh, you know. Hopefully soon, I, and I've never done anything like this before, so I'm not exactly sure with the amount of work that's actually involved in, in doing kind of a, a mail campaign to candidates. Right. Um, but uh, hopefully soon we will be able to produce, uh, you know, a questionnaire and, and, and hopefully they will, uh, 
perk up and pay attention and actually respond. Um, so we'll see uh, how that goes. But uh, we are working to be able to provide voters with some information about, you know, how candidates feel about this issue. Um, the other thing, there's two things going on starting tomorrow uh, that I'll be involved in. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow afternoon, I will be in Providence, Rhode Island. There oh, wow. is a uh, the House Committee on Finance is holding a hearing on uh, Tobacco 21 legislation. Uh, we <laughs> just put out a call to action for that uh, this morning, yes. actually more around lunchtime. Uh, and uh, that is SB 7737, uh, just straightforward, raise the age to purchase vapor products and tobacco products to 21. Um, and uh, no grandfather provision, just, uh, yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of ironic, actually, that uh, one of the things I noticed in reading the legislation, in, in the legislative intent section, they actually quoted the Institutes of Medicine review of Tobacco 21 policy. And uh, I, I'm always, I think most of us, I think are kind of curious how different organizations and legislative bodies sort of twist information to suit their needs. Um, and the way that they present it actually kind of sounds like we've collected data on on this policy and this is what we can expect thousands of people uh, you know stopping smoking and thousands of people avoiding certain diseases and and so on that's um, not actually what the Institutes of Medicine looked into they ran uh, a couple of scenarios through com some computer modeling and came up with an estimate of uh, three million more smokers well, three, more, three million more people not smoking uh, as a result of this policy, um, as opposed to you know just maintaining the status quo uh, in something like forty-five years, um, which you know arguably electronic cigarettes will be able to achieve something like that within the next five uh, or less. I think originally I had said two years, but I think five is probably a more uh, palatable number to throw out there. Um, so uh, I've been spending the past two days kind of refining my testimony. I only, I only have like three to five minutes to speak, so I can't really get too deeply into the science. Um, so uh, Julie and Greg have been helping me with uh, putting together some very detailed written testimony that we'll be submitting tomorrow. Um, so that is at uh, between 4 and 4.30 tomorrow. Um, the hearing room, I believe, is in the basement. Uh, it is room 35. Uh, and apparently, because it's in the basement, it is the one of the coldest committee hearing rooms in the Capitol. Uh, I believe someone had said they have actually spent uh, committee hearings in that room wearing winter coats. Um, so that could be an adventure. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know that there's some very passionate advocates in Rhode Island, and I'm looking forward to meeting them and uh, standing side by side uh, in opposition to this bill. Um, the other thing that's happening on Wednesday, um, the New York Safada chapter is having a uh, lobby day in Albany, right. and I will be joining them for that, much like what I did in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. um, 
So the, the, the situation is a bit different in New York. You know, there's no like one bill that's headed straight for the governor's desk or anything like that. Um, but there is a rather large list of, of bills. Uh, there's typically a lot of legislation proposed in New York every year. Um, so, uh, again, I have a lot, I have a lot of work to do for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do. Actually. Um, but, you know, before I drive to Rhode Island tomorrow. Um, but, uh, yeah, a really interesting couple of days coming up and, uh, I'll be happy to have some updates at the beginning of next week. Um, yeah. I managed to sit here and talk for 15 minutes really without bringing up the Royal College of Physicians report. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that. <laughs> um, what, what an amazing tool that the UK has given us. Uh, I intend to use this at every opportunity uh, to advocate for protecting our access to vapor products and uh, promoting accurate information about the products. Um, I actually, I don't know if you're following kind of the Twitter back and forth between the Twitter uh, back and forth, the letters and the times. Yes. Oh, what, no, I was actually, I was just talking about, um, I, I was going to mention, uh, this little town in, in Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, okay. um, Clarkston, Georgia. Uh, it's, it's roughly 7,000 people. It's really not a big place. Uh, but their their young tech savvy mayor, uh, self described progressive, um, you know, advocating for decriminalizing marijuana and et cetera, et cetera, um, is uh, they're I guess they're going to have a public hearing tomorrow about a, an indoor vaping ban, right. um, and I was actually able to use the Royal College of Physicians report to drive home the point that. Uh, even they are stating that uh, state regulations that prohibit the use of vapor products in public spaces and workspaces, workplaces, uh, would be inappropriate at this time. Um, so it's it's actually very interesting to see someone else kind of cherry picking the the RCP report to suit their agenda. Um, and and doing a very very poor job of it, um, so that that'll be actually a very interesting to, thing to watch going forward. Is some of the the, the activist types that you find on social media um, cherry picking the RCP report to to suit their agenda and 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 doing it in in very strange ways, um, and uh, and I, I I have not actually sat down and read all two hundred pages of the report yet. Um, but, uh, I can tell you if, if you do have to get into a, a Twitter war with somebody over this report, um, it's very well organized, which I would, ex <laughs> I would expect that from the oldest professional organization on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an, it's an excellent piece of, you know, regulatory review and scientific review and, um, and I, I, uh. I'm I'm really looking forward to incorporating some of the points from from that report into our legislative correspondence going forward, um, and I really I really hope that uh, you know uh, the, for those that don't know the Royal College of Physicians released their 
report on smoking and health in 1962, which was two years before the U.S. Surgeon General released mm -hmm. his report. Um, so it, it would be nice to see history kind of repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And um, it, I mean, if, if the U.S. Surgeon General could get on board with something like this, that would be, that's a total game changer. Um, so uh, I, I think it's all of our sincere hope that, that the U.S. officials are paying very close attention to this and, and taking it to heart. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, everybody out there share the hell out of it. It's great. It's good stuff. That is good stuff right there. Yeah. So, so is that it for this evening, Alex? I'm I think so. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sure I forgot something, but, uh, you know, um, um, <laughs> whatever. We'll, we'll pick it up next week. We absolutely will. Um, have a nice drive to Providence. I'm, I'm kind of envious. I went to high school there, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I remember you were originally from the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Is I, there uh, like, am I supposed to get like some pizza somewhere in Rhode Island or? Um, if you get to go to, if College Hill is anything like I remember, that place was awesome. There was this little tiny, teeny tiny shack of a restaurant right on the Brown University grounds that had the, all the very best food you could eat, very cheap. Um, you would leave College Hill and just walk past Brown University and like maybe a block down from there is this little restaurant called Rosie's. And right. it has the best food I've ever eaten. I miss it. It's good stuff. Well, I'll have to seek it out. I'm going to need to, I'm sure I'm going to need to fuel up before I head to Albany tomorrow night. So, um, <laughs> my God. So I got you on your like one night home. I'll be home on Thursday. Ah, okay. Well, uh, your wife is a very patient person. Yep, that's true. It, yeah, it is true. Uh, so thank you for everything you do for us, and thank Eve for her patience. I will, and thank okay. you. Thank you. Have a great night. See you Good next night. week. See you.